has talked about the crisis in the Middle East. They talked about the savagery of Hamas and what they've done to the Israeli on that, on that dreadful day on that weekend. But we also see what has happened with the recent explosion at the hospital where scores of people in Palestine has died. What, what perspective are we not talking about when it relates to this crisis and this war in the Middle East? Uh, firstly, thank you for having me on your show. Um, my name is Nizar, as you said, Nizo. Um, I think the situation that we really are overlooking as human beings is the human side of uh, the, this tragic event or these tragic events that have been ongoing for more than 75 years. Uh, just some statistics so people are up to date from what's happening in Gaza. 3,478 3, people are dead. 1,500 of those are children. 320 of those are babies less than three years old. 15,000 people are injured. One third of those are children. 1.1 million people are displaced from their homes. The World Health Organization says there have been 59 attacks on healthcare workers, killing 16, injuring 28. Four hospitals are not functioning. There are 1,200 people missing, still under the rubble. That equates to one in uh, one Palestinian dying every five minutes since October the 7th. 6,000 bombs have been dropped in Gaza over the past 19, uh, 15 days. That is more than has been dropped in Ukraine in one year. White phosphorus has been used on civilian populations. 473,000 Palestinians are seeking refuge in UN shelters. Three desalination plants are completely out of order, meaning that there is no access to fresh water. So these are just some statistics that are giving an idea of the reality of what's happening inside Gaza now. And when you say none of this would have occurred had Hanas not savagely attacked Israel for no apparent reason at all on one of the most holy, holiest of days? I think when we're Where's talking the blame? About, I think when we're talking about the death of children and we're talking about the death of civilians. But what about the death have, of the Israelis that died? I mean, all children, the Israeli children that died as well. 100% and I condemn the life. We all condemn the innocent loss of life on either side, regardless of their religion, regardless of where they're from, regardless of their color. But we have to be realistic and we have to look at the actuality of the situation. Palestinians have been facing this illegal occupation and the siege for a very long time. Palestinian children have been dying since 1948. We have to look at the reality of the situation. This is not justification for anything that has taken place. We condemn the loss of all innocent life. Anybody that is innocent that has nothing to do with this issue should not lose their lives on both sides. Yes, but we cannot look at the situation as if it only started on the 7th of October, 2023. This is an ongoing situation. Multiple UN resolutions have been violated. Structural violence used against civilians. They have been enduring attacks for as long as they can remember. So, so are, you, are, you, are you justifying this behavior by Hamas? No, no. If you just listen to what I said, I said this is not a justification. But when we are talking about the loss of innocent life, we cannot only talk about that from one side. We must be equal and we have to look at the whole situation. We have to look at the context of the situation. There is no justification for the killing of innocent people. Let me get, um, let me, let me get Nihar, Nizar, let me get Doron Gorshain in this. Doron, you're here listening to Nizar. You're hearing his perspective, your thoughts, and your response. Uh, 
But civilian deaths on both sides are awful. Um, and, uh, but uh, uh, Nizar talks about context. Uh, the context is very simple. One side is a democratic, uh, peace-loving, uh, respecting of human rights, respecting of freedom of the press, respecting freedom of speech, respecting plurality, and is a prosperous society with values very similar to those here we have in the United States. Um, and uh, the other side, uh, which is Hamas, which is the sovereign in Gaza, and no Israeli has lived in Gaza for the past 18 years. There is no occupation. Uh, the, uh, the, the Israelis, up until the terrorist attacks, allowed 20 to 30,000 day laborers from Gaza to come into Israel and make a living uh, and come home and feed their families. We have to be very clear about who is responsible for this uh, uh, humanitarian crisis. You had an army that, uh, without, it's not an aberration, they were trained and instructed to go across the border to rape women and drag them through the streets of Gaza for everyone to see, to kill babies, to kill children in front of their parents, and to kill parents in front of their children. They burned children alive. They took one pregnant woman, cut her uh, fetus out of her stomach, and uh, murdered them both. Now, Hamas knows that a civil society has no choice but to respond to this kind of thing with a ground invasion. And what Hamas has done in 2005, Israel gave back Gaza to the Palestinians. They just exited with no preconditions. They uprooted Jewish homes. They closed down synagogues. They even dug up Jewish graves and transferred them to Israel. The hope at the time was that the Palestinian people would create uh, Singapore on the Mediterranean. And instead, within one year, by 2006, Hamas had tortured or murdered all of their political enemies, dropped them off of buildings, and their reign of terror began. The Hamas charter, up until very recently, because they sanitized it, said every Jew must be killed. And this is exactly what happened at that music festival. The Hamas charter says if a Jew hides behind a tree or behind a rock, go and get him and kill him. And so what you now have is Israel having given uh, the Palestinian people in uh, Gaza, the northern section, five days notice to evacuate south of the Gaza River. It's seven miles at its longest point because the Israeli army exists to safeguard human life. Hamas, by contrast, placed a bomb on one of the two evacuation routes and blamed Israel. They blocked the two evacuation routes and prevented civilians from going south, and they ordered civilians to stay in place. They have their command and control center uh, under Gaza's largest hospital. Uh, they have rockets in schools and in mosques. So there is a humanitarian crisis, but it's because, very simply, Hamas failed their own people.
they dug up water pipes from under the ground that serve water to the Palestinian community to use it for rocket building. You know, so they, these are you have to be very clear about where the responsibility lies. And Israel is going to do everything it can to safeguard human life. But we have to be very clear whose fault this is. These are, uh, before you respond to Doron, is there a mindset in the world among Palestinians and others that every Jew should be extinct from the world and they all should be killed? Um, I'll respond to your question first and then I'll uh, respond to the gentleman that just spoke. Jerome. Um, your question, I I'm not going to answer because if you're trying to dehumanize Palestinians no, to no, the no, extent... No, 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 I'm not here to dehumanize anybody. It's just a simple question. Doron just said that there is a mindset that all Jews should be extinct from the world. I just asked you a simple question. Is that true? You, get a, you have a chance to debunk it and say it's outrageous. I'm just asking you a question, brother. But of course it's outrageous, and I would really like it if these same questions were posed to the opposing side. But let's get back to what the gentleman said. Um, he said that Israel is a protector of human rights. In 2020, Human Rights Watch, uh, as well as many Israeli um, organizations, said that Israel oversees an apartheid state. If you're talking about human rights, when you're living in a country that people do not have their basic rights, there is no freedom of speech, there is no equal access, there is no freedom of movement for the Palestinian people. Now, you cannot say that we are promoting uh, human rights whilst depriving a whole nation, a whole ethnicity from these very same rights that you are claiming. Um, and I'd like to point out that this justification of bombing civilian infrastructure is something that we're all too used to. Hospitals have rockets, schools have rockets. Um, you know, this is the same rhetoric that we are hearing time and time again, and this is a justification. And I'm sure the gentleman uh, will agree that the bombing of a hospital, regardless of whether warning has been given or not, um, is a very depraved act. Children, uh, wait, wait, wait. are you patients. saying Israel bombed the hospital? Uh, Israel did not bomb that hospital. It is people on the actual ground. Even our intelligence sources have told us that was an accident. It was not intentional, but it came from the Hamas terrorists. It was not Israel. That's just a fact, Nihar. That's a fact, Nizar. We're not here to okay. spread propaganda. When exactly? So please stop spreading propaganda. Let me. Yeah, please my point. stop. Yes, the, the same hospital that you're talking about was bombed two days before. Al-Shifa Hospital in northern Gaza was bombed five days before. Hospitals have been consistently targeted, and the same excuse this very gentleman just said now is that they are used as hubs for terrorism. This is not real. This is not true. You cannot, you cannot accept the killing of innocent people as a way to spread freedom or liberty. If we look at over the years... If we look at over the years, 2002, in Ramallah, 11 children were killed. A total of 192 children were killed in the whole of Palestine. 2004, 162 children were killed. 2009, 315 children were killed. 2014, 546 children were killed. And every single time there has been bombing in Gaza, it's been under the same pretext. Has any of this worked before? Is this a solution? So, Nizar, I'm going to start with you. What question would you ask... Daron. Talk to Daron. Um, okay. Would you say that collective punishment, blockading food, water, electricity from a civilian population is a justifiable means to attain peace and safety? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, and the answer is that uh, the sovereign in Gaza is Hamas. 
Gaza is controlled by Hamas. Israel has a border to control and try to prevent the kinds of things that happened on October 7. And the Israeli Navy is off the coast to try to prevent Iran and other actors from delivering weapons to Gaza, which obviously didn't work. Uh, in terms of, uh, of supply uh, of, uh, of critical uh, needs, up until October 7, construction materials uh, and uh, um, various items were getting shipped into Gaza. Uh, and, um, uh, and there's an agreement now for water, food, and medicine to be delivered to um, civilians within uh, the Palestinian territories. But we have to ask ourselves, why up until now, up until October 7, was Israel supplying Gaza with water? I mean, Gaza is, there's no occupation. There's a border. You, you all call it a siege and racism. There's a border. Uh, the reason Israel and the UN and other actors have to provide food and water to the Palestinians is because the Hamas has taken all of the money that the Europeans, the UN, Iran, and others, the NGOs, have given them. They've taken all of the money and they haven't invested it in their infrastructure and in developing a civil society for the benefit of their citizens. Instead, they used it for tunnels and weapons mm. and terror. And they've even mm. dug up pipes delivering water to the citizenry uh, and use them for rocket manufacturing. So uh, I dispute the very premise of the question, which is that there's some kind of siege and occupation, which there isn't. We have to understand very clearly, Israel is doing everything it can to, pr to protect civilian life. Certainly Hamas didn't give uh, five days notice to the citizens of Israel that it was coming. There was no notice. There was just slaughter on a, on, on a level that we haven't seen since the Middle Ages. Um, Daron, so, so Daron, let me give you a chance to ask your question of Nizar. Uh, Nizar, does Israel have a right to exist? Yes. Within where? What where? Do you mean within what? You asked me, does Israel have the right to exist? I said yes. Where does Israel have a right to exist? In Israel. And what is Israel? Be, be more specific to your question, because I know where, where you want to go. I'll ask you very clearly, because the, the, um, uh, the, the uh, Hamas Charter, by way of example, uh, and interest groups say uh, Palestine will be free from the river to the sea, meaning the Jordan River to the Mediterranean, which includes Tel Aviv, it includes Haifa, it includes the entire Jewish population of the state of Israel. Do you believe that Jews have a right to exist in a Jewish state within the boundaries of Israel today? I believe that human rights for all citizens of that region should be upheld. I believe that everybody should have the right to political participation, to freedom of mo movement, to freedom of speech, to access resources, whether they are Jewish, whether they are Muslim, a human being to me is a human being. And before 1948, Jews, Muslims, and Christians lived side by side in that region peacefully. 
I'm not saying that Israel shouldn't exist. Of course, Israel should exist. Israel does exist, but that does not mean at the cost of the freedom, the liberty, and the sanctity of the Palestinian people. There must be a peaceful solution that includes a sovereign state for the Palestinian people. When you are talking about Hamas repeatedly, when when we look at the number of Palestinian civilians, children that have been killed in the West Bank, where there is no Hamas, this is what's the justification for that? We cannot go. We we can. We have to be realistic with the situation. Peace is the only solution. Nobody wants war. And when you're saying that Hamas Charter says this, a you're either implying that I am endorsing Hamas's charter, or b, which is more sinister, you're implying that the Palestinian people in their entirety are Hamas, and you're trying to make this. Uh, this link and relationship between them, which dehumanizes the Palestinian mothers, children, doctors, lawyers, football players, sports people that have nothing to do with Hamas. If you look at in Gaza, let's say on on, on recent figures, there are 30,000 members of Hamas in a population of 2.2 million civilians. Are you willing to kill 2.2 million civilians to get rid of 30,000 bad people? Daron, your response? answer that question very clearly no um and i I don't a civilized person would want to see civilians killed i i don't believe that and i hope that you agree with me um and i believe uh that uh the israeli army has demonstrated time and again as it will now that it uh protect protects the sanctity of human life how can uh, you say when that 3,478 civilians have been killed? 500 in uh, each day, the number is growing. You cannot say that the civilians are being protected in a situation and a scenario where live with footage, with information in front of us, we are seeing that civilian homes are being targeted. We are seeing that hospitals. Two days ago, there was a bakery that was attacked. This bakery provides 1,000, um, one, one, sorry, yeah, 100,000 people with bread. That bakery was killed, uh, sorry, bombed, and two innocent civilians died and seven people were injured. Now, you cannot tell me that these are uh, collateral damage or these are mistakes. We have to ensure that civilian life is protected, that children are protected. And sadly... How do you respond to um, Daron's assertion that it is the Israelis that take care of the people, the Palestinians in Gaza, the food, the water, and that Hamas, the leadership, uses it for their own personal gain and have no little no consideration for the people there. Now, you did say, should 30,000 people be blamed for 2 million? So maybe that may have implied your answer, but I just want to give you a chance to respond to something I thought was very um, earth-shattering, what he said, actually. Okay, I like, I like to stick to the facts in my discussion. So uh, let's look at the facts. All of those statements that were made by this gentleman are not factual. There is no primary evidence to state this. This is just a rhetoric and uh, uh, a a, a way, again, to dehumanize the civilians. There are people, there are doctors, there are organizations working in Gaza that have been for many years. uh, And when you talk about it's not under siege, there does not need to be Israeli citizens living inside of Gaza for it to be occupied. Gaza is under complete occupation. What you call a border is 
re regarded by all of the human rights institutions and the United Nations as the largest open air prison in the world. 70% of the water, even pre this uh, recent issue, 70% of the water is not fit for human con consumption. Over 65% of the people of Gaza are unemployed. You said yes that some uh, about 30,000 per day or tw uh, 250,000 or whatever the figure you gave go into Israel to work. Okay, but at the end of the day, where else can they go? Egypt is closed. As you said, quite rightly, the Israeli military and Navy is blockading them from the sea. Even the fishing area that they used to have was reduced by 30 kilometers, by 30 kilometers in 2015 or 16. So you're talking about a densely populated area where people have no access to the outside world. People cannot go and travel to see their family. People cannot go and travel to see uh, to, to, to study abroad. People are stateless. The Palestinians do not have a state. The Palestinian people do not have a piece of paper to identify who they are and where they are from. There are over one million, there were over one million Palestinians that were expelled in 1948. There is a population of 10 million Palestinians living outside of Palestine today who cannot return, who cannot visit their family when their parents pass away or when their siblings pass away. They cannot go back. Cesar, let me give him a, let me give Daron a chance to respond yeah. to you. Daron? Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to know where to start. Uh, the gentleman said all the statements that I made are not factual. Uh, Gaza is under complete occupation, even though he acknowledged that there are no Jews at all in Gaza. Uh, and that Gaza is an open-air prison. Uh, the characterization of Gaza being an open-air prison, um, uh, I, I'll address this in the following way. Um, one could say that uh, Nazi Germany under the Nazi party, that the Nazi party did not represent the people. Uh, and uh, we had to uh, do everything we could to minimize civilian loss uh, during World War II. But the fact is that Hamas is the sovereign in Gaza and has been for 18 years. And Hamas is a designated terrorist organization uh, the horror of what they did, live streaming execution and torture and rape of Israelis on their own cell phones to their own families, the horror of this, and knowing that Israel would have no choice but to respond. That is the duty of every civil society, just like it was the duty of the United States after Pearl Harbor to defend itself and to defend the free world. There was no choice put on the people of Israel, the government of Israel, and the IDF. And Gaza shouldn't be an open-air prison. Gaza uh, had um, the Hamas done what uh, Germany did and Japan did and created civil society uh, and infrastructure and rights for their people after World War II, Gaza could be the most prosperous place on the Mediterranean today. No country has an obligation to open its borders to a, a to a, a, a place that is run by a terrorist organization. No country can be expected to not try and prevent missiles and weaponry from getting into Gaza by sea. Uh, and so this notion of open air prison, had Gaza supplied, sorry, Hamas supplied its people 
with the things that any responsible sovereign who cares about its people should have done but didn't do, then it wouldn't be an open-air prison. Thank you for listening to this week's episode.